In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The public ministry of Jesus, healing the sick, exorcising demons, and standing alongside those on the edges of society was not the primary purpose of Jesus coming amongst us, contrary to the beliefs of many people in the first century and even today. As important as this ministry was, it was secondary to his mission of coming to tell the truth. Often directly to his listeners, or as here in Luke, in a series of parables. He illustrated his stories, or used his stories, I should say, to illustrate the truth that he was trying to tell them, that he was trying to impart to them. And today's parable from Luke is the rich fool. Specifically, Jesus came to preach the very thing Mark describes at the beginning of his gospel. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The signs and wonders Jesus performed all testified to the truth of his message. But they were not ends in themselves. They are signposts to the power of God. The ultimate thing being that a miracle does no good for the people who receive it if they reject the gospel. Here in Luke, Jesus must know his time on earth was running out. He wants not only the disciples, but he wants everyone to be prepared for the future spiritually. He speaks in parables because people do not see or hear or understand his message. He wants them to comprehend and he wants them to comprehend for their benefit as soon as possible. The surest thing in life is death. It comes to us all, whatever our wealth, fame or influence. And as we all know, it's coming. God wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready. The man in this parable is and is not an exception. He is in the sense of being exceptionally rich. He has resources much greater than the average person. But you could say he is completely unexceptional in his desires and goals. He wants lots of money. And when he gets it, he wants even more. For him, more and more wealth equals more and more happiness. Increasing his wealth is his life focus. And actually, here we have to note how normal, how ordinary, how remarkably common. Because we can't write this parable off as a warning for the 1%, the super wealthy. It is a parable for people who think getting more money is a life goal worth pursuing. And that is almost all of us by worldly standards. 
It's important to say, I think, right here at the beginning, what this parable is not about. Jesus is not condemning wealth and not even the desire for more wealth. Jesus' purpose is clear. He's saying, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because of wealth doesn't just come in money, does it? It also comes in things. Paintings, antiques, the latest phone, the newest model car, a wider television. All of these things, we're told, will make us very happy. He is warning us about an unbalanced or wrongly focused life. The man in this parable was consumed by his wealth and his desire for more of it, to the exclusion of everything else, it seems. For he has invested in his business and failed to invest in God. He's given his heart to money when it ought to have belonged to God. What's more, the dispute that leads into this parable is as common today as it was 2,000 years ago. Families fighting over the money left by someone who has died. A member of the crowd listening to Jesus has found himself in this situation and he asks Jesus to help. Jesus declines and tells him this parable about the rich fool instead. We know the word fool and its meaning in English. Uh, someone who lacks brains, a dunce, if that word is still used, adult, a ninny, someone who really is stupid. But the word has a very different meaning in the Bible. One of the Bible's worst insults is, you fool, because people become fools by ignoring the wisdom God offers to them, preferring to follow the crowd or their own conceited opinions. They may think themselves very clever, but their cleverness will lead them into trouble or to their downfall. As with Psalm 149 this morning, the sons of Korah are lifting their hearts in praise to God because he has restored them and their family. Korah was a cousin of Moses, and actually what brought about his downfall was his wealth and his greed. So it leads people into trouble. Happy with the thought of a bumper crop, this very rich and unwise landowner makes a decision with no thought of God, no thought of his neighbour, and no thoughts of his family. There are no wife, there's no wife or children mentioned. And then, when he's made his decision, he congratulates himself. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will all my grain, store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. The word myself... I'll say to myself, is written here in Luke and in a lot of translations. In the Greek, the words are, and I will say to my soul, and again directly, 
So you have many goods laid up. Yet with these words, there is no mention of God. The God who has showered blessings on him all these years with continuous flourishing harvests. And for this man, this rich landowner, there will be no time to make amends to God because he has neglected living justly through his lack of love for God. He's probably been mean to his neighbours and more than thrifty with his family, but he's concerned on storing his wealth. Again, the Greek is very different here because God tells him, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And in the Greek, it says, your soul instead of life. So this very night, your soul will be demanded from you. God will pay, ask him to pay that price that very night when he's congratulating himself and feeling that he's got everything at his fingertips. Is it any wonder God says to him, you fool? His treasure has grown, but he was not rich in the Lord. A good investment broker takes care of his clients and invests wisely on their behalf. The investments he makes determines their future well-being. The investments made by this rich fool determined his future too. Sadly, they were bad investments. He thought nothing about others, his own mortality or eternity. He was guilty of selfishness, ingratitude to God and short-term vision. In this parable, Jesus warns us that worldly and earthly possessions are no benefit to us in the afterlife. He teaches us that all that we have, including ourselves, belong to God, that material possessions are not permanent. However, eternity is. I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. I won't tell you her name, although she's no longer with us, but I met her about 15 years ago. And I met her because I wanted a dressmaker. And somebody in Bath told me that she was the best in the Southwest, basically. And over the years, I got to know her quite well, and we did become friends. We'd go out for a coffee or we'd go to the cinema together. A very intelligent woman. Um, she had been in Kenya most of her life, so she'd only been back here five years when I met her. So she was catching up on everything. She was catching up on politics, on the culture in this country, you know, what people were sort of focusing on. And after a number of years, we did talk about religion because she asked me questions knowing that I was ordained. And she said to me one day, well, I don't need to go to church because that's for people who don't know how to control their lives. I've got my life controlled. I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing now. And they were her exact words. Take or leave it a bit. And I sort of, at the time, it made me rather uncomfortable. And then COVID hit. 
I would say by the time I lost my friend, I'd known her 15 years. But then COVID hit. And I said to her, are you going to have your injections? And first of all, your flu injection. She said, no, no, I'm not having any injections. I said, but why not? Oh, she said, they'll all cause problems. I've been doing some research on the internet and I've joined this group and they say you shouldn't have them. And I really know that I'll be better off not having flu injections, not having COVID injections. So at the beginning of last year, she asked me if I'd like to meet her. Um, we sat on opposite ends of the park bench because she refused to wear a mask. And I said to her, you must be feeling the pinch because how are you going to get work in? Oh, she said, I'm still getting work in. People are coming into the house. So people were coming into the house. No masks were being worn. No hands were being washed. She hadn't had any COVID injections, vaccinations. And then she said to me, you know, Judith, I think you should start thinking about the materials that you want to buy. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I've been stocking up on lots of linens, lots of cottons. She said, all the clothes I wear, she said, you know, I've got 10 of everything because the quality is just going to be no, no good. And I want to make sure I've got stuff. Honest to God, I think she had three pairs of handmade brogues. She had five or six sweaters of the ones she liked, everything. And it wasn't just her clothes. If you went into her bathroom, it was like going into Neil's yard. If you went into her kitchen, bags of rice, so many tins of tinned food and, and stuff that your eyes would pop. Last year, on the 3rd of November, I rang her to wish her happy birthday. I tried three times well, twice on a mobile and a landline, and then I sent her an email, no response. Then I got a phone call the day after to say that she had died in the RUH of COVID the Friday before. Her son, who was abroad, had my number, and when he came back, he rang me to apologise. He was ringing all her clients to apologise because the materials that we had there, when we all did probably, patterns. Uh, I had some wonderful cashmere material there that I wanted a winter skirt made of. And he said, I need to apologise because none of these have got labels. And he said, we just don't know what to do in this house. He said, it's like a treasure trove. He said, we've called in people to clear the whole lot and see if they can give it to people to use, but we don't know because of COVID whether that is possible. And at that point, and that point only, I thought of the rich fool and his barn. Because if ever there was an illustration through someone I cared about very much, it was that. She had lost her life very suddenly because although she could control everything else, she couldn't control when God would take her life. I leave you with two thoughts and a question. My first thought being, we cannot invest all our hopes and plans in a future we do not control. Second one, we must live for any day to be our last day. Any day to be our last day. My question is, where is our treasure? This is a good question to help us take stock of our investments, isn't it? 
Matthew writes in his Gospel, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen.